Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now I'm going to do a clap. Welcome everybody to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mark's Medical Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Todorovich. I'm joined by my lesser half, Dr. Matthew Barton. How are you, Matty? Thank you for that compliment. Not a problem. Last week was compliment. Well, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I think we did vaccines and something else in between. But we did innate immune system recently, didn't we? Yes. And this is the second part of the immune system. We're moving on. Yeah. Everyone's been, everyone's been waiting for this. And I actually have been receiving emails. Really? About, yes. Wow. People asking, when are you releasing the adaptive immune system? And I said, good things take time. <laughs> so we're now doing it. Great. Adaptive. I think maybe a little bit of a quick refresher of the innate because we're sort of following on from that, right? Yes, we are. So this is the immune system. If you're tuning in for the first time. So the immune system has two arms like Michael does. Uh, it has the innate arm and the adaptive arm. Which one's that on Today me? Today is the adaptive arm. All right. Now, but before one. you can get this, uh, the, the arms, we'll just put it together. So the immune system is what to prevent being sick, yeah. being infected. Probably the most simplistic way, yeah. Um, and so the first part, the first arm, the innate arm, that's parts of the immune system that's always there regardless. So this would be barriers to prevent pathogens getting in things like skin, mucous membranes, certain secretions. And then you have the second defense. So if uh, a pathogen breaches that barrier, then you have some mechanisms that can kind of deal with it before you really need to bring in the big guns of the, let's say, that military or the army. Is that yeah. okay? And you'd say that with this innate system, none of it's specific. Yeah, none of it's specific. really doesn't care what it is, if it's a virus or a bacteria or a fungi. Mm-hmm. Um it's just going to attack it the exact same way every time. Yeah. So 
some common second line defenses would be inflammation. Yep. So really regardless of what cell injury is occurring, whether it's caused by a pathogen or just by getting hit by a cricket ball, yeah. um, you're going to get inflammation. So it's non-specific, but it's going to do certain things. A big part of it is to bring uh, white blood cells into the area to clean it up to heal. Yep. But if need be, so if there is a pathogen there, it's going to bring in the second arm, which is the adaptive. That's right. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think some important points that will carry over from innate to adaptive is, one, if you're getting invaded by a pathogen, some of the things that are going to try and knock it off from the innate arm are going to be phagocytic cells. So cells that like to digest, engulf, eat and destroy. Uh, These are things like macrophages and neutrophils and monocytes. All of these, in one way or another, these types of cells will break these things down. Dendritic cells, right? They all take these pathogens, break it up. That's the first thing. Second thing is that all pathogens are going to contain antigens. And an antigen is just a flag that sits on its surface. And this flag says... Antibody generator. Is that what antigen is actually short for? I think so. Oh, that's, that's the way I've always remembered it. Well, that's a I'd never actually thought about it like that. Yeah. Antibody generator, antigen. So, and that's what it does, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. But again, it's it's either a protein, carbohydrate, or both sort of moiety that sits on the surface, and it can be foreign as well as self. Yeah. So we have antigens, um, and other cells, pathogens have antigens. Yep. And our body is really good at recognizing whether they do belong to us or they belong to something else. And that's what's super important here. And then I think probably maybe the third important point to carry over from innate to adaptive is that in the inflammatory response, which is going to happen anytime you've got some damage to a blood vessel. Or uh, just cells around a blood vessel. That's right. Yes, that's right. Or or damage to cells at the blood vessel. Um, You're going to have the blood vessel open up. Mm -hmm. So it gets wider and it becomes more porous. And this is so that all the stuff that may be in the interstitia or the spaces between the cells outside of the blood vessel can sort of drain into the blood vessel and also drain out of the blood vessel. It's flooded. That's right. It sort of floods the system. It's like a tide. That's actually a good way of thinking about it. So you you could think of all this fluid coming out of the bloodstream to the tissue to wash away what's there on the shore or at the tissue. Solution to... Pollution is... Dilution. Dilution. That's right. But the thing is that the blood stream doesn't regain all the fluid that it's lost. That's a good point. And so the fluid that is remaining actually gets um, taken into the lymphatic system and then taken to its closest lymph node. And that's sort of going to set the scene for mm. today, right? We're going we're gonna to basically... So let's do the pathogen. What pathogen do you want to... Some bacteria. Okay. Let's just say um, I've cut you. Why uh, it always a, been again. getting cut by knives? And you need to watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so I've cut you with a knife. Okay. So you got a knife. Not the cleanest knife. That's quite a big knife too. Yes, and it's not the cleanest knife. Okay. I may have wiped it across the ground, or maybe some feces, or <laughs> whatever it may very, be. Very nice of you. And I decide to start. And, and a bit of cutting as well. Okay, whereabouts in particular? Oh, wherever I can get you. Okay, so let's, okay, let's just, just say pick a location. <laughs> um, sort of living a fantasy now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, let's just say your leg. A bit more specific? Okay, your thigh. Okay. All right. All right, so thigh. You're tall, I'm short. I tried to go for the guts. I couldn't. I got you in the thigh. Just above the kneecap. Yeah. Okay, great. So you've, the, the skin's been damaged. The whole okay, in, so the, innate immune system has occurred. So there's a breach of the barrier. So the barrier of the immune yeah, system Yeah, we don't have to go through pointless. all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, that part of my leg has been sliced. Okay, so there's an exposure to the outside world. Uh, bacteria, let's just say bacteria have gotten in. So because I've got damage, there will be inflammation. And so in that area, you're going to have all this inflammatory response. Um, heat, red, swelling. Yeah, we've gone through all that. Bringing all the red blood cells, sorry, the white blood cells in, but particularly in the early phase, the neutrophils. They'll try to do what they can, Yep. but there's only so much they can do. Yeah. So and what they're trying to do is just gobble it up. Get rid of all damaged cells that have been killed or, or you know, are potentially infected. And if they somewhat can kill a bacteria, they might. Yep. But these bacteria, whatever you put on the knife has overcome my innate immune system. Yeah. And so now you've got to bring in the adaptive, which is what today is all about. Exactly. The adaptive is specific. So now my immune system is going to be turned on to this type of bacteria. Would you say it's specific because now the bacteria, it's not just localized at the thigh. It's gotten into the bloodstream. It's gotten into the lymphatic system. And it may be whole bacteria or it may just be fragments of the bacteria. But it's floating now more systemically. Do you want to go systemically or does it just, let's just say it stays local but it starts to spread? Yeah. Well, okay. and So my question to you was, is this why we have to have an adaptive system in case it... it shifts away from just that localised area. Yeah, that. but I think possibly also the adaptive can only do so much. Sorry, the innate can only do so much and you'd have to then bring in the... Um, the what is, What's the correct part of the army here? Oh, you could say like the, the, the special secret, forces. And the secret service the, the, with the intelligence, yeah. like the spies they're and not, so I forth. I don't think they're part of the army, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, spies are part of the army, aren't they? They yeah. infiltrate Maybe. the enemy. Maybe. They learn their weaknesses and their particulars. Okay. Well, I like that. Okay, so... so they've, the, read the, they've read the background profile of, yeah. of that individual or so, pathogen. So the, ba- the bacteria is in my thigh growing exponentially. Yeah. Okay, so the scene that I now want to set is that the innate immune system in has... In the rolling hills of Matthew's thigh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the supple the, rolling the, hills of <laughs> Matthew's thigh. Uh, the, men- it, the menace... You've invades. <laughs> yes. You've either... Well, like this, you've started turning it into some sort of Mills and Boone novel. Um, so let's just say that it's the whole bacteria or part of the bacteria is now in the lymphatic system. Okay. And that lymphatic system is draining away and it's draining into the closest lymph node or set of lymph nodes, which will be where? Uh, well, it's in, if it's my leg, my thigh, it's probably... Got, Going to my groin or the yeah. inguinal region. Yes, but another thing there, just as it's as well, that's happening, the groin. Yeah, um, we've also got uh, dendritic cells, which are a type of immune cell that just hangs out in the skin to wait for an invader. Okay, and in this case, it's a bacteria, and they have the capacity. And another, well, I'll, I'll just finish this part. The dendritic cell has the capacity to eat at least one of these invading bacteria. As soon as it engulfs it through phagocytosis, it starts to break it up inside. This is phagocytosis. 
And what it will do is it will then find a part of that bacteria that it is the antigen and hold it on the outside. And when it does this, it sprints back to the lymph node. So not only what you are explaining, it's um, all the lymphatic fluid is going back to the lymph node, but also some dendritic cells, or these are going to be called antigen-presenting cells, have fragments of the bacteria on it. So they've got like the uniform of this invading army, or in this case the bacteria, and sprinting back mm. to the inguinal lymph nodes, let's say. Yeah, that's a great point. So this is an antigen-presenting cell. So probably because they've been waiting in the skin, maybe the most dominant one will be the dendritic cells, but other cells can do this, like macrophages. Yep. They're also a good antigen-presenting cell. And also B cells, but we may leave that one. Yeah. But they're the three common antigen-presenting cells. So the antigen-presenting cells, they've engulfed some of this bacteria and they're presenting the flag, which is the antigen, and now... They've been washed away in that tide of the lymphatic system, yep. going back to the inguinal lymph nodes, and now it's in the inguinal lymph node. Now, yep. the, the lymph node itself is this bean-shaped little structure. It's got a capsule on the outside. It's got similar to like a kidney, right? It's got a capsule. It's got a cortex, It's got a, which is the outside. It's got a medulla, which is the inside. But what's important about the lymph nodes is it's got its very specific cell populations. And the two important cell populations that are there are the B and T cells. This is an important point because the Bs and Ts is really the main cells of the adaptive immune system. Yeah. So we've already spoke about all the different cells in the innate, but for today, the main two cell populations are B cells and T cells. Do you think we could, should just quickly introduce these two, where they come about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, firstly, what does B stand for and what does T stand for? Well, these are two types of white blood cells, which are lymph lymphocytes, which yeah. I think are the second most abundant white blood cells, second behind neutrophils. And these are white blood cells are just particularly for the adaptive or specific immune system. Now they, like all blood cells, they originate in the bone marrow, the red bone marrow from a stem cell. Well, both the T and the B? Yeah. Okay. They, they both originate there. All, all blood cells originate in the, the bone marrow. Okay. But then you go through different types of um, differentiation. So red blood cells go down a certain line. Uh, granulocytes go through a different line, which we spoke about in the innate. Now the lymphocyte um, progenitor line will only create B and T cells. And to be specific, I think they also create uh, natural killer cells. But that kind of goes they kind of branch off and go back into the innate system. Okay. But we're going to just focus on Bs and Ts. So the reason why they're called B, well, the B cell, um, what would you say, becomes mature or more, more, differentiated. more differentiated to become more B-like yeah. within the bone. So they stay in the bone. I think the B actually has something to do with birds. I forget... Um, as it's like it's bursa or something. I forget the name, but the first time they were, in, they were um, discovered was actually in bird. Well, and that's why they're B. That's what the B comes from. Not yeah. bone marrow. No, that came. Luckily, that came later. Just serendipitous that that also starts with B. Yeah, it's something like bursa, or it's in the it's in, within birds. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've got the B cells. Yep. And, and then the the T's. Yeah. They leave the bone marrow fairly immature mm. or less differentiated. And they go to the thymus. What so is that? T for thymus. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, that's in the doesn't answer the question. <laughs> that's in the mediastinum, which is kind of just above the heart, behind the sternum. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the, s- the superior part of the mediastinum. Mm-hmm. This particular gland is quite active. How big's sh- your thymus? Uh, mine's probably pathetic. Uh, f- become fibrotic. Probably. I think. But that's actually what happens as you get older, right? Yeah. yeah. So the newborns and infants have a huge thymus because they've got this immature, undifferentiated T-cell population that have come from the bone marrow sitting here sort of growing and developing and dividing and so forth. So big thymus. But the older we get, what we find is that those T-cells sort of start shifting away from the thymus and just populate the lymph nodes. And so the thymus starts to atrophy, starts to degenerate. And by the time you're Matt's decrepit age, probably not me, I've probably still got a big thymus because I'm very young still. But Matt's probably thymus. all the time? Is um is probably just turned into nothing by now. Probably yeah. dust. <laughs> That's true. Um, and I actually have found it quite difficult when we do anatomy to find them in cadaveric specimens. Really? To find them. Because thymus. they're usually older? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mind you, I probably wouldn't really know what I'm looking for. <laughs> for but I don't think I've ever seen a thymus in a cadaver. Really? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, so you're so just not good at your job. Exactly. So the T cells or the uh, undifferentiated T-like cell yeah. will go to the thymus. Yep. And what they need to do there is to become more differentiated. So they need to kind of turn into two, possibly three, but we'll just say two subpopulations. What we two call, major subpopulations. What we call helper T cells or what I like to call T helper cells <laughs> and cytotoxic T cells, which are yep. like almost like the natural killers, but a, a bit more specific. And the T helpers, what the name suggests, they're... They recruit they, the rest of so the what, immune system. what would they be in the army? The T helper cells? Yeah. Um, uh, like the scouts. generals. Oh, okay. Wouldn't they be scouts? They're out, they're surveying the area, they're having a look what's happening. If they see something going but, wrong... But also coordinating they, everything. Though. Yeah. So they call everybody else All in. Right. Why do we keep using army analogies when we know absolutely nothing yeah, about the army. Whereas the, the, the cytotoxic T is more like the sniper. Back to the uh, <laughs> You just say, yeah, you're right, we shouldn't do this. Now the cytotoxic T cell is a sniper. Alright, so to do this subpopulation differentiation. Okay, so they've got, so they've gone from they've gone from bone marrow. Bone marrow, B cells, yeah. thymus T cells. Yeah. These cells have migrated to the lymph nodes. No, they're in the thymus. I'm telling you how they separate into oh. the populations. Okay. I apologize. So now they're in the thymus, they're still undifferentiated, but they need to turn into those two types. Okay, so the thymus is a bit like a personal trainer. So this is the personal trainer in the army. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so the way they do this is they, <laughs> is they have to um, first ensure that they're going to be efficient um, PTs <laughs> Soldiers Yeah <laughs> So um, the first thing they've got to do is say Whether they're good enough at picking up non-self So there's certain cells in the thymus That are seen as non-self Yeah Okay And as these immature T cells come through They've got to lock on to them And actually say oh, This is n- not a typical self-cell But at the same time They're doing that with self antigens That's right? the second step Okay, okay. So it has to first pick up um, that it's a... Um, so non- what's happening now is they're going through 
the training course right. to be a soldier. That's exactly. Right? And, yep. and so the very first hurdle they need to yep. jump over, a wall they need to climb, is they need to determine out of a whole selection of, you know, proteins and carbs or what whatever mm-hmm. it may be, moities, they've got to determine if this isn't ours, that is ours. Correct. This isn't ours, first yeah. of all. That's okay. right. And if they can do that, yep. then they get the tick yep. and they get moved on to the next stage. All right. So if one of these grunts picks up something and says, this isn't ours, but it is, they get the boot. Yeah, so if they don't do that particular step, they just get killed off. Wow, so it's a very pretty, strict pr- It's pretty process. brutal. Okay. So that's the first step. Okay, so they have to pick up non-self first. Yeah. Okay, the next step, they have to pick up self. Okay. So they have to then say, I know whether this is truly our own cells. Yeah. Okay, and if they get this wrong, so this particular group of hurdles yeah. is... Who are the allies, right? Yeah. They're presenting their own self-antigens. Yeah. And if they get this wrong, because if you... This um, is worse, right? Yeah, this is worse. So if you let them get through this stage, yeah. they're going to go around killing your own cells. Exactly. And this is going to cause autoimmune diseases. Yep. So you've got to ensure that this doesn't happen. Yes. So any cell at this point, any T cell that actually reacts to self mm. will get killed off. Yep. Okay. And so now what we're left with is a population that can determine... And, th- and these two steps are called positive yeah. and negative selection. Makes sense. Okay. So it's a selection So now process. they've come through. They've gone step one, step two. Now they're almost ready to leave the thymus, but they get one final option. All right. And as they move through, they get a choice of whether they're going to go down a cytotoxic line Yep, so becoming a sniper, like you said. Yeah, or a Scout. helper cell line. And the way that they do this is just how closely they lock on to the MHC1, which you can explain, or the MHC2. Okay. Now, is this happening at the thymus or at the Still at the node? thymus. It is happening at the yep. thymus still. Yep. Yep. Um, so does that mean that you need to be exposed to diseases while these cells are in the thymus in order for the differentiation to occur? No, they're still naive to any antigen, but this is just selecting them to go down a cytotoxic line or a helper line. So I always thought that this was happening in the lymph node. Not yet, not because it's, it's not specific. They're still general population. But it does happen in the lymph node, right? Yeah. So, so there's going to be these naive populations that are not yet cytotoxic T or helper cells, which as an adult will still be determined whether which line they go down when you get exposed to a particular disease, depending on the... My understanding is once they leave the thymus, they're now they're going to be a naive helper cell or a naive cytotoxic cell. Okay. Okay? But they have to go down one of those two lines first. Oh, uh, I get you. At, po- yeah, at, yeah, no. at this point in time, they're actually both helper yes. and cytotoxic. Or yes. Let's change the name slightly. A helper cell is known as a CD4 yep. and a cytotoxic is a CD8. Yep. So at this point in time, they're both positive for CD4, CD8. So you need to choose yes. your team. Yes, gotcha. And this okay. is still happening at the thymus. Correct. But once they're chosen, they're like... Uh, somebody who's just finished med school where you are a doctor, yep. but... You haven't specialised yet. Not quite specialised, yes. That's right. right. Okay. So, so you, what's you, happening then? So you're going to either choose surgical training yeah. or GP or physician training. Yeah. So we've just jumped from army analogies <laughs> to medical analogies. We'll see which other analogies we utilise. Okay, so what's happening at the thymus in order to determine? So I'm sort of sitting here going, oh, I don't know what type of specialty I want to do. 
Yep. I need to decide how how does this happen. Okay, so the CD8, if you decide to go down the CD8 line, your CD8 receptor has to lock on to the MHC1 receptor. Okay. Okay, so what's MHC stand for? All right, so should I start talking about these MHC classes? Yeah, okay. I think it's... Well, well MH classes. Yeah. Um, major histocompatibility... Major histocompatibility complexes hmm. is MHC. And there's two classes. There's MHC1, MHC2. It's probably more, but we're just going to focus on these two. So these are part of the system in which antigen-presenting cells present the antigen. And like Matt said, there's a whole range of different types of antigen-presenting cells. Some of them are going to present with MHC1. Some are going to present with MHC2. Too. So it's almost as though when they stick their arm out to wave the flag, the arm is either going to be MHC1 or the arm's going to be MHC2, and it's still going to hold the antigen flag. If it's MHC1, that's going to be recognized by the naive CD8 cells. Mm-hmm. If it's MHC2, it's going to be recognized by the naive CD4 cells. Yep. And so those CDH cells, there's going to a complex will form, a complex with a receptor and the receptor is going to bind to the antigen that's being presented. So the CD4 cell or the naive helper cell mm. has a T cell receptor. That binds to the antigen. So does the CD8 cell. It's the same. It's got a T cell receptor and that also binds to the antigen, right? But there's going to be an additional cofactor here mm. that forms a complex and that's the CD4. So the T helper naive that's going to have CD4 comes out with the T cell receptor and it binds to the antigen presenting cell that's got the major histocompatibility one, two, sorry. And then you've got the cytotoxic T cell naive T cell receptor binding to the antigen, but also it's going to have the CD8 co-receptor coming out forming a complex. Yep. And then... And that binds to... MHC1. That's right. The only additional thing I'll add is every single cell in your body that has a nucleus will also have MHC1 receptors on them. Okay. okay? So what does that mean? Well, we'll get to that because it has the capacity once we get to the CD8s, once we talk about the cytotoxic T cells or the CD8s, once they're roaming around the body, yeah. any cell, any nucleated cell that has a dysfunction on it, the CD8 has the capacity to block. Well, it's a non-nucleated cell. Oh, like a red blood cell. Uh-huh. But also neurons don't have MHC1s. Okay. Otherwise, every single cell in your body has an MHC1. Yeah. So, for instance, if a cell in your body is really sick. Yeah. Or it, infected. Infected, or even if it's cancerous, it has the capacity... To present. To put something on the MHC1... Mm which then notifies the CD8 to come along, the cytotoxic to come along, and then just kill that cell for the greater good of the body. Well, that's because, which we sort of haven't said yet, it's a signal to tell... So the whole point of cytotoxic T cells is they destroy already infected cells. Yeah. So just before we leave the thymus, the take-home point here is if you're going to go down a CD8 line, the T cells go down that line these cells will bind much more tightly or specifically to MHC1 yeah. cell receptors. Yeah. So they go, oh, this is a really nice fit. I'm going to end up becoming a sniper. Yeah. Whereas the CD4s, 
they have a better fit to the MHC2 receptor. Yep. They say, oh, this is a good fit. I'm going to go down and become a helper. Okay. So now they leave the thymus. Yep. But they're still naive enough that they haven't been selected for specifically for the antigen from the pathogen that you want to kill. Okay. So then they off, off they go into the periphery and they could go to places like lymph nodes. Yep. Um, uh, mucosal... Associated tissue, lymphatic tissue, malt cells. Malts and bolts. Yeah. Uh, spleen. Yep. These are, These sec- are secondary, secondary lymphatic yeah. tissue. Yeah. Yeah. So they just go there and hang out for however long. And they seed those areas, yeah. right? And so if we were to cut open, so like I said, I, I've stabbed you, I've cut you, I've maimed you with yeah, this I got knife. It. I got Sorry. It. Uh, in, in, in the thigh. And now you've got this these antigen presenting cells gone to the inguinal lymph nodes, yep. you can have these That's naive right. T cells present. Correct. And also some naive B cells, which yep. we haven't spoken about yet. I think we'll say just for the B cells, same kind of process occurs, yep. but happens in the bone marrow. Don't want to bore the, li- the listeners with all the selection. Well, we already, it's too the, late now. The negative and positive selection, but yep. same thing happens, but in bone marrow yep. instead of the thymus. Once they've been partly differentiated, but they're still naive, then they're spilled off into the blood and they, just like the T cells, will go throughout the body and go to secondary lymphoidal tissue. Okay. Now, you said that these T and these T cells are still a bit naive and so are the B cells still naive. So does this mean now, for you, right now, you've got an antigen-presenting cell going into that inguinal yep. lymph node. It's going to have potentially both MHC1 and MHC2 holding on to an antigen. So that... Is that going to now travel to those T cells in the lymph node and stimulate them and tell them to differentiate further to become now mature yeah. helper cells only, and mature cytotoxic T cells? The only distinction I'll make here is the antigen-presenting cell, like you said, yes, it's presenting in the antigen, but it will when it's presenting the antigen from phagocytosin, the actual bacteria or the pathogen, it can only present it on the MHC2 complex. The only time an antigen-presenting cell will display an antigen on the MHC1 is when it's actually infected itself. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's say a macrophage or a dendritic cell has actually been infected, yep. let's say in this case by a virus. Yep. It's infected, so it's not doing well, but it can still present that antigen through a different process, but present it, but it's on the MHC1 complex. So the way I think about this... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm <laughs> rarely wrong. Um, is that if it's an intentional ingestion yep. of that pathogen or antigen and then presentation, that's going to be MHC2 Correct. and that's going to go to the helper cells because it's basically saying, hey guys, I've done my job. I've gobbled this thing up. Have a look at it. What do you think? And then this naive T helper cell looks at it, says, yep, I know my job now. I'm a T helper cell. And it's now a mature T helper cell. We'll talk about what that does in a sec. But those cells of the body who inadvertently have been infected, probably viruses most likely, more so than probably bacteria, they're going to be, oh, not feeling good. I don't know what's going on. Something's just infected me. Have a look at it. What do you reckon it is? And the cytotoxic, naive cytotoxic T cell says, hey, I'm now a mature cytotoxic T cell because I've seen what I need to do. I'm sorry, I need to get rid of you. Yeah. And it induces like, like the movie, Like the movie Alien. You know how yes. the aliens grow inside? Spill out. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know you're... The face huggers. 
That's what they're called. Okay. Yeah. So they had the ability to run back, notify it before they sacrifice themselves. Yes, which is great. For the good sp- for the community. For the spaceship. Exactly. This is great analogies. We've, yeah, this is probably the best episode we've done. So let's now say, let's, I think we should um, say that those two processes have occurred. And now we've got mature T helper cells and we've got mature cytotoxic T cells. And they do exactly like what we've sort of alluded to, firstly with the T helper cells, is that they help the immune system. So think about some processes that the immune system could be stimulated to do to benefit this scenario. T helper cells pretty much going to do it. So it calls in cytotoxic T cells, it calls in natural killer cells, it calls in the B cells and helps them differentiate, which we'll talk about in a sec. It calls in the complement system. And how does it do this calling? Through the release of certain chemicals that we call mainly interleukins. Or cytokines. Or, yeah, cytokines. That's, interleukins what, I wanted, are that's a, what I wanted, really. Sorry, sorry. Well, interleukins are sort of like a subcategory, right, okay. of cytokines. Interleukin means between white cells. So it's one white cell talking to another white cell. So this is the main way that the T helper cells help call in the cytotoxic T cells and also help call in the B cells. Okay. But you're right. Cytokines generally are just messenger... It, it, uh, immune-based messenger molecules. Okay, so let's keep going along with the scenario. Yeah. I want to put the CD8s on hold for a second. Sure. Because they're more intrinsically in infected cells. Only, and only to attack infected yeah. cells, yes. So it's going to be less common in this type of bacterial assault. So let's f- focus more on... And say why. It's because viruses, by definition, yeah. invade the cell yeah. itself. Yeah, so intracellular. The viruses are usually intracellular Parasites, yeah, where bacteria. Parasites probably not the right word. Where, <laughs> where bacteria is usually extracellular, but not always. There's some bacteria that can get inside the cell. Yeah. Um, all right. So, the antigen presenting cells run back with the antigen presenting on its outside. It's come into the lymph node, and there's a whole lot of naive um, T helper cells. Haven't now. we just gone through this? No. Okay. So there's there none of them have seen war before. Okay, they're all naive to war. They've been trained for war, but they've never seen war. So as they run in, or as the antigen-presenting cell runs in, it's got that antigen, and only one of those naive T helper cells will have the perfect fit for the MHC2 um, T receptor CD4 complex. Antigen complex, yeah. yeah. So that means kind of only one, one type of T helper cell will be kind of selected for. So... They basically found the best recruit. That's right. And then what that will do, that best recruit, is release a whole lot of chemicals, which you spoke about, and that will then somehow, which is quite complex in itself, find the right B cell for that antigen. Okay. And what the B cell has is the antibody for that antigen. So this is the lock and key mechanism, right? Yep. So the antigen is the... Which one? Key. The key, that's right. Yeah. And so the, the B cell has the lock. That's right. <laughs> the locksmith. Yes. Okay. It's so, the antibody that's the lock. Yeah, so the B cell is going to bring the antibody to help get rid of that antigen. So this is going to take a bit of time, but through, through the recruiting, through the cytokine uh, communication, a, a B cell will get called from somewhere in the body where it will come along and it will bind oh, on... Oh, it comes from the lymph node. Yeah, and it will bind onto this. Well, the, the helper cell will activate that B cell to say, you're the right one for the job. What I need you to do is start producing more of this antibody for me. 
Yes. Is it, that okay? Yeah. I mean, uh, yes, but the, the B cell, as far as I was aware, had to bind to the antigen and then the T helper cell just helps with the differentiation. So, for example, the, the naive B cell in the lymph node can bind to the antigen that's present but it can't differentiate without the T helper cell coming along and releasing certain interleukins. Yeah, yeah. That, that was my thought, yeah. not, not the fact that the, the T cell without an antigen comes in and says, we need you, come on, let's go. You actually, the B cell needs to have bound to the antigen. Yep. And, and so you've got the lock, yep. which is the antigen. Uh, no, you've got the key. <laughs> you buggered me up there. Which is the antigen. The antigen is the key and it binds into the antibody which the B cell is going to have. And the B cell is going to have a whole range of antibodies. Actually, an infinite range pretty much. So with this, this cell, this B cell, where are these antibodies located? On the surface. And how many would be on there? Around about 50,000 to 100,000 antibodies per B cell. So these, what's an antibody look like? Like a letter Y, okay, like a so capital Y. So they've got these capital Ys, 10... 50,000 to 100,000 sticking off them. Yeah. Okay. So, as it's brought in t- through interleukins and so forth, as it's recruited and brought into that area, it has the ability to then lock on to that antigen that's being presented. And so with- I, I, this is where, like, I, I thought that I could be wrong. So, you're probably right here. I thought that the B cell would come across the antigen, bind to it. And then, with the help of the T helper cell, get recruited for further clonal expansion. Yeah, so I think what happens is basically the B cell will lock onto the antigen and then, with the help of the C, CD4 or the helper cell, releasing a particular type of interleukin mm. will then uh, complete the, ac- the activation process. Yeah, so, so the CD4 cell doesn't just go to, doesn't find a B cell itself and says, you're the one I'm after, no. come with me. Here's the antigen bind to it. No. It's the other way around. It's kind of antigen. this recruiting process, but then it needs the final tick of approval or the, ro- the final sign-off process, which has come from the T-helper cell, to say, okay, right, you're the man, go for it. You're, right. you're the person. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So now the B cell has been selected for, and so what the B cell will do, that particular B cell, which is just f- right for that antigen, which is that one part of the bacteria that's invaded my leg from yep. that knife. Yeah. So now the B cell will just clone itself because so it only technically only the one B cell in your whole entire body can do the job. Yeah, this true. particular job. Yeah. So you could think about it as though. Here's another analogy. Uh, there is a door that's locked and nobody has the way to open it. Right. So you need locksmiths. And so even though we said that the antigen's the key and the lock is the antibody, there's only going to be one particular lock, right? So we need to find out who's got that lock. And so everyone's got a different lock, so you just keep trying and trying and trying. The antigen that's moving through is going to try and bind to these antibodies, and it's just going to be boom, boom. Do we have a boom, boom? Yeah. So it goes along, no, that's not the case. Then it finds one that it is perfect for. We need better sound effects. Um, <laughs> and so, and it's simply just because of genetic rearrangement, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's just the fact that 
there's a variable region on the end of all these antibodies and that's what's different from one antibody to the next antibody. Yeah. And there's, again, it can rearrange itself into an infinite number of locks, yeah. right? And until the antigen, which is this key that it may have never seen before in its yeah. entire life, just keeps trying the locks until, boom, this is the one. It locks into it. It goes, perfect. The T helper cell comes along and says, Great to see you've found which one's correct. Here's some interleukins. Time for clonal expansion. Yep. And it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And well, well not the cell, no, just the population. Correct. Thank you. The population. But because this is happening in the lymph node, what's happening to your groin? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, what the listeners want to hear. <laughs> um, the lymph nodes in my groin will probably enlarge. Okay. Lymphio- lymphopathy? Is it? What's a term where just yeah, I think it's I think so. So not not crotchal expansion. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. So so the lymph and so this is why when you're sick, for example, you've got a sore throat, you can palpate quite easily the lymph nodes in your neck. It's because of this entire process. Yeah. You've got B cell expansion. More and more and more. So we're getting these millions upon millions of B cells that are specific to this antibody developing. But and this is still why, naive, and right? And this is why it takes some time to mount a, a good immune reaction. Yes, Because yes. this will take, you know, days. But they're still naive, these B cells, because they can go down two more pathways, right? Right. So what pathways? One is a, a population that just pumps out antibodies freely. Yeah. So just these Ys just pushes those out into fluid. The antibody generating cells. Yeah, we call that plasma cells. Okay. So all they do, these plasma cells, is just that particular antibody, which is the lock for the antigen, which is the key, yeah. would just spill there are thousands for that lock. upon thousands upon thousands of antibodies into fluid. And this is why this arm of the adaptive immune system is called the humoral immune system. Why? It's not funny. But why? <laughs> um, because it's in fluid. So when we spoke, well, back in the day when we spoke about, well, in medicine we spoke about humours. Yep. That was just... Hey, you had none. <laughs> that was just in fluid, right? What, is, what yeah. does humours mean? Like if you had The humours humor. is like the, the phlegm, bile, blood. That They're the humours, right? And they thought when people were sick, they just had bad humours, right? Yeah. But... Actually, when we talk about humoral, it just means within fluid. Yes. So the humoral arm of the adaptive immune system. So just how many arms here? Got two arms of the immune system, and of one of those arms, it's got two arms. Yeah. And so it's arms upon arms, and of these two it's arms, you got it's humoral. It's yeah. Well, an octopus who's got additional arms on its arms. Yeah. So this part is the humoral arm of the adaptive immune system. Yep. yep, yep. Which is all about antibodies in fluid. Yep. And really created by B cells. So okay. the humoral arm of the adaptive immune system is pretty much from B cells. Okay? So that's one type. It can become plasma cells that produce antibodies. What's the other type? So the plasma cells just pumping out antibodies. So antibodies just going into blood, going into yeah. lymph, et cetera, et cetera. So this is happening. And a select few is also producing memory cells. Yeah. So I guess these guys become... Memory cells. <laughs> I was just trying. Did to you forget? Of, I was just trying to think of the analogy in the uh, in our analogy. They're like uh, centuries, right? So they've seen what's happened. 
they're they're veterans of combat. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So so the the they basically are B cells that hold on to the antibodies and they remember what they've seen. Yep. Right? Yep. So they keep having flashbacks, maybe. <laughs> and 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 what that may do is it stays within the system to continually remind the system. Yeah, so I'm not sure how effective they are at this point in time to get rid of this particular bacteria. No. But they probably do for another time when you stab me with the same knife. Which is inevitable. <laughs> okay. All right, so, so then we've got those two populations. Now, I think, like you said, the, the memory, they're just going to stay there for a while and then maybe they stay there for months, years, decades. It depends, right? But like you said, that they're there. If we get infected again, they're going to help elicit another response. But the antibodies that are free-floating yeah. right through the system, they can do a couple of different things. Yeah, that, and this is important for trying to stem off that uh, an invasion from the yeah. bacteria. So these antibodies are floating around. It's also going to go into my leg. Yeah. And so these antibodies will do a number of things to these bacteria that's you know, taken over my leg. All right. One is to neutralize the bacteria, particularly the antigen on that bacteria. So what's that mean? It's neutralizing it, meaning... So let's just say certain um, certain parts of the bacteria that might be really effective to cause damage to me, these antibodies float and bind to them. I've got a good army analogy. Okay. So you've got uh, an enemy soldier with, an, with a gun yep. walking through the jungle and then you've suddenly got uh, a surprise attack and all the soldiers surround this enemy. And so doesn't matter where they point their gun, they're checkmate, right? They can't do anything. Okay. And that's exactly what's happening. They're, they're fully neutralizing the enemy in that sense. And that's what they do. They totally surround them and they can agglutinate them, which means they just bind them all up together and precipitate they become them. become clumpy. They become clumpy. Uh, right. And this is sort of what we do when we test blood types yeah. in the labs. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing. So neutralize agglutination yep. is one. Another one is... Uh, Obsonation? Obsonization, yeah. So what that means... Is it obsonization or obsonation? That's oh, close enough to me. Yeah, whatever. So <laughs> once the antibodies bind to the, again, the bacteria or the antigen, yep. it will kind of have a beacon that starts flashing. Yeah. Um, and then what that will do is bring in the phagocytes. Okay. Or the natural killer cells. Yeah. And that will come in and then just kill them. So this is like when the soldier calls in an air attack and they're saying, here are the coordinates. Brilliant. Bring in the air attack. Brilliant. All right, brilliant. So that's obsidian, and then probably the last one, potentially there's more, but I think this is the main one yeah. is complement activation. Yeah. So again, the antibody will bind to the bacteria. Yep. But then activate the complement system, which is part of the innate immune system, which is just those proteins that, when they're activated, they just like like a cascade of effects. Yeah. And then just put holes into the membrane of that. In this case, the bacteria. Perfect. Just drills holes into it. Okay. So that's the humor alarm done. Yes. No, well, I'm not yet finished okay. with that, if that's okay. Because we're in a lymph node, these free-floating antibodies, they can just bind to free-floating antigens and they can actually get taken up by a certain, uh, the third cell population inside of these lymph nodes called dendritic cells. And what they do is the dendritic cells hold onto this antibody-antigen complex on its surface. And all it does is it sits in the lymph node, just sits there and sits there and sits there for days, weeks, months, years, decades. And it keeps that antigen antibody complex to remind the lymph node. You, let's just say you get over the stabbing, right? 
you, you get better. You're pretty, sewn pretty up. Emotional, you're man. all good. Couple of years later, but the lymph nodes in your groin still have the antibody antigen complex there, so that those B and T cells never forget. And also the probably the memory the memory B cells, but they're floating through the system, yeah. right? Not they're not just localized to the lymph okay. node. The memory cells are everywhere. Okay, because I may not stab you in the leg again next yeah. time. Right? Oh, well, that's a good point. So, if I don't encounter that particular bacteria ever again. All those plasma cells that I produced and all those memory B cells, because there's heaps of them, yeah. will slight, slight, not slightly, slowly die off. Yes, that's right. So their numbers will drop and drop and drop and drop until there's hardly any. Yep. In maybe some cases, they will completely disappear. And this is part of why when you give an immunization, you need boosters because yeah. the the either the plasma cell or the memory, particularly the memory cell, um, isn't around anymore. That's right. Okay. So that's pretty pretty much all we can do for this bacteria. Yeah. Because as I said, the bacteria really, um, they're going to be more so for the outside of the cell. But when we were focusing on cells that have been infected. By a virus, for example. Virus yeah. or maybe uh, damaged like or dysfunctional like cancer cells. Yes. That's when we have to bring in the cytotoxics. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's a pretty easy process in the sense that the cytotoxic T cell determines what's been affected. It releases a bunch of chemicals, some things called perforins, and they perforate, and they just put holes in, and then they start to stimulate the apoptotic process of pretty much death from within in which everything disintegrates inside the cell. It remains encapsulated within that cell. So it doesn't just spill its guts because obviously that would continue the spread of infection, right? Yeah. That's actually what viruses want to do. They want to infect a cell and get it to spill its guts so that the virus can then propagate to the next cells and so forth. So we want to maintain that process and that's what the CD8 cells... And this is important because this is called the cell-mediated part of the immune... This is the other arm of the adaptive cell. Yeah. The first arm of the adaptive is the humeral. Yep. This is the cell mediated. And why this is important. And it's cell mediated because it's cells that have been infected. Yeah. So right? if you were. So antigen presenting cells, sorry, or cells that have been infected by cancer or, or virus or bacteria. So if you were to be infected by a virus, you may not really do that humeral part because the virus can kind of disguise itself and get into your cell and, yeah. never, and never be picked up. Yep. To be presented to. Yeah. Okay. But as, you know, your cells start to get more and more infected, the certain subtle protein or proteins from that particular virus can be then presented on the outside and then you can activate the cytotoxic cells yep. to then kill off the infected cells. That's right. This is actually how um, the AstraZeneca vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine sorry, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine work is, well, and the Pfizer one, but simply the fact that they take uh, an antigen from the virus or simply an mRNA that turns into a protein which will be presented as an antigen by our antigen-presenting cells and it hands it to MHC1, MHC2 to the helper cells and the cytotoxic T cells and that's how we elicit this entire immune response. So that's exactly what's happening so do, with do vaccination. Do we quickly go through that? Just so we Well, we did it, it with the vaccine episode. Okay. Went sure. through this that exact process. Yeah. Right. 
So if you want to hear the details of the process, watch, listen to the last episode, vaccine episode. But it simply is just this process. We, we just, instead of giving, them the, giving our body the whole pathogen that it must fight, we just give it the antigen, which in itself can, can potentially just be harmless. And in this case is. They just give it an antigen that just means nothing, does nothing by itself. It won't but affect it's still, you, won't cause side effects. Exactly. Just, it's still recognised as foreign though. And you get a whole immune response just from that antigen. So memory cells, plasma cells, cytotoxic T cells, T helper cells, so it's all, whole complement system. So it's all primed. It's all primed. So, so if you get COVID again, you don't get deathly ill. So for, for the COVID, the main antigen we're all talking about is the spike protein. Yeah. And so once you give a person the vaccine, regardless of what it is, they, they're primed for the spike protein an- antigen. So that yeah. means the CD4s yep. have already been selected for, for the particular spike protein. The B cells have already been expanded. So you've already got plasma cells. You've already got antibodies that are floating around against the spike protein. Yep. And you've got memory B cells just hanging out waiting for it. That's right. And you've also um, activated the right cytotoxic T cell Okay, so that means if COVID actually comes in, or it's not COVID, but SARS-CoV-2 comes in, starts infecting your cells, you, through your second exposure, are highly efficient. Yeah. So you can really get rid of that either through, say, neutralizing the virus before it starts to invade your cells. So um, antibodies start to jump onto the spike protein, start to optimize, start to activate... um, Glutination, I'm not sure how that works with the virus. But also, um, your CD8 cytotoxic T cells are all ready to go. So once your avioli cells are starting to get infected, they come along and just start killing them off before they further spread throughout your respiratory tract. That's right. So that's That's the adaptive. What do you think? I think we did pretty well. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. Uh, But I mean, it's a lot of detail and... The minutiae becomes complicated and I think if you really want to get into that, it's, I mean, it's definitely outside the, scope. PhD. It's outside the scope of a podcast because there's so many receptors, so many... It's outside the scope of ev- everything we do and, I mean, it's, it, you go outside of this, you start to specialise. That's how I see it. We've given you a great foundation to work from. So, obviously, there's... Just this enormous amount of interleukins and cytokines and um, co-receptors and disease states that affect all these different types of uh, cells and chemicals within the adaptive immune system. It's it's an entire podcast, not just episode, but entire podcast itself talking about immunology. And so use this as a platform to further your understanding because... We're not going into any more detail. Hopefully you just got the overall concept of how the two parts of the immune system fit together. Oh, the last thing I want to talk about is why, because I think people, nobody's listening now anyway, but why, if if you're sick with the flu, why you don't get another virus, for example? Or if you're sick with a virus, why don't you get another virus at the same time? And it's simply due to the fact that when cells get infected, they release from viruses more specifically a chemical called interferon. And interferon interferes with virus replication. 
Yeah, we did speak about the interferons in innate because mm. it isn't innate, right? It's not specific to the particular virus. It's just kind of viral particles or antiviral particles, right? Yeah, they just stop the virus from invading into the cell. And so if you do get another virus, it just can't jump into the cell. All the doors are closed and locked. So it gives the chance of the adaptive to kind of come in and get specific. That's right. Let's so what get would, specific. So what would interferon be in the army? Uh, the janitor that locks the doors at night. All right. See you, Maddie. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.